Thanks for finding us. This is a message recorded at Fairfax Assembly in Bakersfield, California. You can find out more at fairfaxassembly.com. We talk about things like glorifying Christ, right? What exactly do we mean by that? That's kind of a fuzzy notion sometimes. I think some people might get the idea of a glowing Jesus or something. He's glorified. He's glowing. And we glorify Him. Well, how do we do that? It's much simpler than that. When we talk about glorifying Christ, it means to make much of Him. To make much of Him. And I think that we're on the path of making much of Jesus Christ when we listen to what He really says. And we take it seriously, and then we make moves to order our life by what He says. That is making much of Him. Part of what he has to say, it comes to us in question form, 295 questions, and today the question that Jesus puts to us revolves around the subject of worry, anxiety, and you know what anxiety is, right? You know what that is. The dictionary definition reads something like, it's an emotion characterized by an unpleasant state of inner turmoil, unpleasant state of inner turmoil, anxiety. It's a dread. It's not quite the same as fear, because you see, fear is a response to a real, immediate threat or a perceived threat. So there's some reality to it when you're talking about fear. But anxiety, worry is different than that. There's a story about a bassoon player. It's that strange, long instrument in the orchestra. He was very accomplished. He was good enough that he was hired into an orchestra that that season would be conducted by the great Arturo Toscanini, conductor, musician. You know Toscanini from Fantasia, Disney's Fantasia. He's the one in a silhouette shaking hands with Mickey. That's Toscanini. Well, this bassoon player was hired into that orchestra, and he was told several weeks before the season practices would begin, you've got a, you've got a spot. He was thrilled, but at the same time, he was in fear, because while he was very accomplished as a bassoonist, he couldn't always, every single time, nail the high E flat. Sometimes he could, but sometimes it would falter. And now he was going to be in Toscanini's orchestra, and he couldn't always hit the E-flat. And so he was in dread. He was in fear. What am I going to do when I have to hit the high E-flat? And he worried about that for several weeks and sweat bullets over it. Finally, first practice night came, and Toscanini was there, and so he thought, I'm going to come clean. I'm going to confess. And so he went to the great conductor and he said, you need to know that I cannot hit a high E flat. He would worried about it for weeks. Toscanini told him, there's no E flat in your music this season. He had worried all of that time about something that wouldn't happen. That is anxiety. That is worry. There is no perceived threat. There's no real threat. It's not like fear. It's different than that. Anxiety 
is an expectation of a future, a not-yet-arrived threat. Depression and panic attacks and all sorts of anxiety disorders can be the more severe forms of anxiety. But we know what anxiety is, don't we? So let's see what he has to say about it. Turn in the Gospel of Luke to the 12th chapter. And there's a story on a story. It's a pile of things that Jesus has to say, all having to do with anxiety. In fact, he's piling up the illustrations. There is more about anxiety in the passages before the one we will look at and more after, all about anxiety, all about worry. But pick it up at verse 22. He said to his disciples, for this reason, and we'll talk about what that reason is in a moment, But for this reason, I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor your body as to what you will put on, for life is more than food and body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, the most common of birds, for they neither sow nor reap, they don't plant, they don't harvest, they have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them how much more valuable you are than those birds. And which of you by worrying can add a single hour to his lifespan if, and here's his question, if then you cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? If you cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? There's this question. And as I said, he's piling up some illustrations here to make the point. He says, if even the smallest things are beyond your control. And then then he's adding, like, you, you can't add time to your life. You can't add height to your life. Some of your some of your Bibles say you can't add a cubit to your stature. If you can't add an hour to your lifespan, if you can't add inches to your height. Why are you anxious about the rest if you can't do things like that? In other words, it makes no sense to worry about the large and scary uncontrollables because you really can't do very much to control the small things either. He's making the point that worry can't make your life better. No matter how much you worry, no matter how much anxiety you have, it will not make your life one bit better. In the story above what we just read is the reason that he tells them, don't worry. Don't worry about your life. It's the reason that he poses the question, if you cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? It's all because of what he has said before, and he tells a story before. This is the reason that he's stating. There was a man, he says, there was a man who owned a great deal. He was very wealthy, independently wealthy. Now, he tells the story about this wealthy man and how he ends up because he has been approached, and it all starts with an ugly charge of inheritance fraud. He tells a fictional story, but there's a real story before his eyes. A man comes to him and says, Rabbi, teacher, 
I need you to settle this matter for me because apparently there's been a death in the family, an inheritance of some size. Make my brother, who must have been the executor, make my brother share my part of the inheritance. He won't turn loose of it. So I want you to decide in my favor. And so this ugly charge of inheritance fraud comes before Jesus. The offended party comes howling and wanting Jesus to make it all right. And so Jesus says to him, well, who appointed you, me, your judge? I'm not your judge. But he does tell him, listen, I do have a piece of advice. Be on your guard against every kind of greed. And the reason you want to be on your guard against every kind of greed, as he says, for not even when you have a whole lot of stuff, will you be satisfied. So be careful when it comes to possessions. And then he told this story about a rich man who was incredibly wealthy. And he had acquired a piece of property that was very productive. It was unusually productive, and he planted it And it had a bumper crop. And so he's left with the problem of now, where do I put all of this that I now have? He solves the dilemma by speaking to himself. And he says, soul, here's what I will do. I will tear down all of my barns and warehouses. And then I will build new ones and bigger ones and more. And I'll have greater capacity, and then I will have ample space to store all of my produce and all of my stuff, all of my possessions. He owned a lot of stuff. And so out of concern for his possessions, that's how he will solve it. He will secure them by building bigger warehouses. And when he completes his project, and the barns and the warehouses are finished, And they're now full with all of his stuff, securely put away for today and tomorrow and the future. He says, now I can eat, drink, and be merry. I have no cares in the world. And that night as he lays in his bed, the Lord comes to him and says, you fool. Jesus now tells and launches into one of the somberest of his tales. You fool. Tonight... Your soul will be required of you. You are dying tonight. And then who will get all of your stuff? Not you. And that's why he called him a fool. And that's why Jesus launches into this. This is the reason for him talking now about anxiety and worry and he's trying to say that worry cannot make your life better. The rich man worried about where to put all my stuff. But his worry and anxiety over it, even the solution, didn't make his life one bit better. For this reason, Jesus says, because your stuff is really not your stuff permanently. And the things you worry about are really not yours permanently. For this reason, don't have anxiety over your life. Because the things you worry over ultimately will be the very things that you will be separated from one day. That's what people mean when they say that there are never any moving vans behind the hearse. Because you're not taking anything with you. 
your stuff all stays here. All of the things that you worry about one day will be somebody else's to worry about. Do you ever, you ever walk through an estate sale? Somebody has passed away and, and then there are gobs of people walking through their house a few days after they've died and they're looking at all their precious stuff and picking it up and fingering it and judging it and setting it back aside and there's a price tag on everything. It's creepy, really. I've gone to estate sales. I've never bought anything from one because it gives me the creeps. You know, I, I saw one time I was with a friend at an estate sale and there was a whole bunch of really nice pants that were laying there. And they, my friend said, look, those are all your size. They would fit and they're all really inexpensive. And I said, I'm not wearing a dead man's pants. It's just too creepy to me. The stuff always looks shabby anyway because the life is not there. They're, they're in the state sale, as far as I'm concerned, there are no good deals. So Jesus is saying about all that stuff, stop worrying over it because it's really not yours, not permanently anyway. The only thing anxiety can do, it, it can't make your life better. The only thing it can do is steal your joy now and leave you empty-handed going into the next life. It can do that. It did that for that man. But it can't make your life any better. Jesus will go on and He talks about the ravens. See in verse 24, consider the ravens. For they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom, no barn. And yet God feeds them. He feeds them for sure. He points out these common little birds, and, and he's saying they can't plant, they can't prepare their food, they don't have the capacity to do that. That means that they're dependent on somebody else even to eat. And secondly, they can't store things for the future, like the rich fool did. And that means that they're totally dependent on God not only today, but they're dependent on Him tomorrow and next month and next winter and next spring, they're totally dependent on God for their future. And to date, He has never let them down. That's what Jesus is saying. Anxiety. All the worry in the world about today and the future, it cannot make your life any better. Trust God. Not your things. Trust God. Not your circumstances. Trust God. The other thing Jesus is saying, look in verse 25. He's saying, worry will not make your life longer. Won't make it any longer either. You can worry all day long and it's not going to extend your life. In fact, there's good proof that it might shorten it. Man was looking out the window at an airport. He was due to get on a flight that had been delayed because of weather and he could see the stormy weather rolling in and it was angry weather. He was a little bit worried about getting on a plane in that kind of weather. About that time, he saw one of those machines that you see in airports selling just a, a limited insurance policy, a life insurance policy that would be good for the length of the flight until he got home. It was a $100,000 policy for $3. He looked out the window. He thought there is a chance. He worried about that. Thought about his family, and he thought, decided why not. It's a good investment. 
Now, there was a delay, and so he decided to get something to eat. And in this airport, they actually had some good places to eat. He decided on Chinese, his favorite, and he finished a nice meal before he had to catch his plane. And when he opened up the fortune cookie, he read, Your recent investment will pay big dividends. And then he really started to worry. But anxiety will not extend your life. Worry will not make your life any longer. That's what Jesus is saying in verse 25. And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Now, some of you may be a wee bit confused about that verse because some of your Bibles may say, who can add a cubit or who can add inches to his height by worrying? The two phrases are very similar in the original, and so it could go either way, but I kind of doubt that it means cubit. I kind of doubt that it's talking about adding height because a cubit is roughly 18 inches. If I added 18 inches to my height, that would put me at seven foot four. That would be a pretty notable thing. That would not be a small thing. But to try and add an hour to our life, to add time to our life, just a few more minutes to our life, a day to our life, we don't have the power to do something even like that. Have you ever been around somebody that's close to dying? I have a few times, more than a few times. And I've never heard anyone wish for more things as they lay on their deathbed. Not once. Many, many times I've had people wish for more time. I wish I had more time to do one thing or another or do it better or to make amends or to get things right or to say I love you. I wish I had more time to serve or do other things. Or... But I've never heard anybody ask for more things, only more time. We can work hard. We can buy things. And we can work hard and we can buy better things. We can buy more things, but we can never work hard enough to buy more time. Worry, anxiety, they will not gain you a longer life and may in fact shorten the life you now have. And for sure, they will make the life that you're living now more miserable, worry and anxiety. And then finally, Jesus points out that worry affects your vision. Look at verse 27 through 29. It's outside of what we read, but he goes on and still talking about worry and anxiety. Consider the lilies. To the Arabic people, lily is just a word for wildflowers. They're talking about those flowers that nobody plants and nobody tends and nobody waters and most don't notice that grow beside the road like weeds. He said, consider those kinds of flowers, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. They're not laboring at it. But I tell you, not even Solomon, the grandest of the kings, in all of his glory, clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass in the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will He clothe you, you men of little faith? That's pretty rough talk from Jesus there at the end, isn't it? 
You men of little faith. Actually, in the original, there's no mention of men or women. Not one word. But actually, that phrase, you men of little faith, is just one word. It's the Greek word oligopistos. One word. It talks about poverty of faith. It talks about littleness of trust and littleness of faith. The idea of littleness is all through what Jesus is doing here. In verse 26, he talks about very little things. And now he's saying, you're little. And you're a people of littleness for worrying about those things. Because he says, do you realize that in the smallest of things, roadside flowers, not much more than weeds, really, that in the smallest of things, if you look, even there, you can see the greatness of God in the smallest of things. The intricacy of God, His concern, His attention for the smallest of details in the most throwaway of plants and grass. Open your eyes to see how great our God is. Worry blinds you to that. Anxiety won't let you see the greatness of God in the smallest of things. Why do you worry? That's the same thing as asking, why do you blind yourself? Because that's what worry does. If you choose to worry, you're choosing to blind yourself. You know, a dense fog, a really thick fog, a hundred feet thick, covering seven entire city blocks. Do you realize that's less than a full glass of water? but it's dispersed into 60,000 million little droplets. Not much there, really, but it can cripple an entire city. It can can cloud your vision. It can limit your horizon to inches in front of your nose, even though there's really not much there. Anxiety is about what has not happened. Worry is over things that aren't real. There's not much there when we worry, but it can cripple your life and keep you from seeing how big our God really is. Scripture is full of assurances. The Word is full of promises that God will take care of us. One of my favorite is in Psalm 37, 25. The Hebrew scriptures there say, I have never seen. This is a person who's advanced in age. He said, I was young, but now I'm old. And I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor God's seed begging for bread. Not once. That's backed up in the New Testament. The favorite verse of many people, Philippians 4, 6 And it talks again about and assures us of the promise of God that He will take care of us. Be anxious, listen, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. If you will approach God with a thankful heart and lay your needs before Him, let your requests be made known to God, He'll take care of the requests, but additionally, 
and the peace of God that passes all comprehension. You're in trouble. You need help. But you're praying with thanksgiving. And somehow you can't explain it. The economy doesn't work out, but it works. But beyond all of that, you will be at peace. And the peace of God that passes all comprehension will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Not only will He answer the issue, but He will give you peace while the answer is coming. You don't need to worry with a God like that on the job. Do you realize, I've told you before, that there are four time zones. I'm not talking about central time and mountain time. There are four time zones that we can exist in. There's the past, the present, the future, and eternity. And a believer is to be concerned with only two of those. We're not to be concerned with the past because the past is over. Whatever happened, it is done. And if what happened has been covered by the blood of Christ, we don't need to worry it because it won't trouble us. The past, we don't need to spend time in the past. And as a believer, we ought not spend time in the future because the future is not real. The future has not happened. The future is not now. The two time zones that we should spend our time thinking about are now because Jesus works now. He's at work in our lives now. He's living in us now. And God says His personal name is I am. He's all about now, not I was or I will be. I am. It's now. And the other time zone that you can occupy yourself with is eternity. In fact, eternity is more like now than now is like any of the others. We will live in eternity, but you're an eternal being now. We're to concern ourselves with those two, not the past and not the future. And those are the things we worry about, aren't they? What happened in the past and what might happen in the future Worry affects your vision. There was a man on a dark night in a strange town. He was unfamiliar with this city. And he went out for a late night walk. He went along a canal area and he slipped as he was walking along. And he slid down a steep embankment and his fall was only broken when he grabbed hold of a little scraggly bush. But now he's holding on to this bush and he's hanging over the edge of the hillside and his legs are dangling and he can't touch anything. The fall, he's injured himself and he's now unable to pull himself up and climb back out. But he's afraid he's going to let go. And fear took hold of him as he was afraid of what he would fall into. He did not know what was below and he did not know how far the drop would be. He could get mangled. He could die. He began to think in his mind of that final slam into the bottom, and it terrified him. But finally, after some moments, he was exhausted, and he had to let go, and he fell four inches. Four inches. That's all. Too often we worry, and we struggle. And our nerves are at high tension. And we're unable to enjoy now because we worry about the future. And what we need to do is let go knowing 
that there are everlasting arms underneath us. That there are nail-scarred hands beneath us ready to catch us. And we don't need to worry. You've been listening to a slightly inspired message from Fairfax Assembly, a different kind of church in Bakersfield, California. Find out more at www.fairfaxassembly.com.